Bill, is that correct? And it's so good to see them again. And that dates back many, many years ago. We're so glad not only to see you, but others of you who are visiting with us today. I would like to call to your attention the name of an individual who lives in Anchorage, Alaska. Bill Tullis pastored a Grace Church in Anchorage for many, many years and invited me to come up and preach a meeting for him, which I did, and my wife and I enjoyed being with his dear wife and brother Bill, uh, who is a gracious man of God. Uh, I did not know until this last week that his wife, Betty, went to be with the Lord. She's been a dementia and Alzheimer's patient since 2014. But he told me in tears yesterday that she's not suffering anymore. Isn't that wonderful to know that there's coming a day when we'll have to say goodbye to suffering? Uh, I want you to pray for Kelly's mom. She's with the Lord, but there are many heavy hearts because of her going and also pray for Bill Tullis' wife, Betty, who lives in Anchorage, Alaska. I would appreciate that so much. Now, we're studying the book of Jonah, and the book of Jonah is just like any other book in the Bible. You know, I learned a long time ago that the greatest commentary on the Bible is not John Gill. Now, Brother John has a lot to say. Matter of fact, he has more to say than most commentators I've ever read after before. And usually what he has to say is worth reading. But the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. That's why I encourage you to study your Bible. Bring your Bible with you to church. If you're hearing some things you've never heard before, that's all right. You bring your Bible with you and check the scriptures to see whether these things be so or not. They're not so because they happen to be preached in a Baptist church. And they're not so because I preach them or some other preacher preach. It's because God says it in his word. I'm trying to lay the groundwork this morning for another series of messages on the book of Jonah. One of the major weaknesses and disadvantages of preaching a series sermon is the spasmodic attendance of Baptist congregations in church. I tell you, if some adults had gone to public school about as much as they come to church, they would graduate dumber than they were when they started. That's why it's a disadvantage sometimes to preach a series of sermons because you're going to get spasmodic snapshots of it from here to here as opposed to being in the services every Sunday and building on it and studying it as we go. Now, we're in the Gospel of Jonah. This is the fifth in the series. And I want to speak on the subject of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jonah. You say, well, you mean Jesus. No, I mean Jonah. 
death, burial, and resurrection of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All the billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul, The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the roots. And that's what the word bottoms means there. The Hebrew word means the roots of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption And that word corruption is the Hebrew word from the pit. Thou hast brought up my life from the pit. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And the cross-reference that we are using in every one of these services is Matthew chapter number 12, beginning with verse number 38, then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. May I say at the very outset of this study that just as I dogmatically believe in the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I also dogmatically believe in the literal death, burial, and resurrection of Jonah. 
I also want to say that not all men agree with this position. I'm quite aware of that. I was taught a different view of it in college and in Bible study. There are those who believe that Jonah remained alive in the fish's belly for three days and three nights, after which he was spit up on dry land. I want you to know, to begin with, I do not make that a point of fellowship. Now, there are some things I do make a point of fellowship on. If you come through that door and you say, I believe Jesus Christ is the biggest fake who ever lived, I make a challenge with you on that. I don't want to fellowship with I don't even want to look at you. <laughs> but I don't make a point on what I'm preaching to you, but I am trying to get you to be interested enough to listen to what this preacher has to say and follow the scriptures and see what they have to say about this subject. I ask you to hear me out as I present the miracle of the book of Jonah. The miracle is not that God preserved Jonah from death, but that he actually died and God raised him from the dead as a clear type and a picture of what Christ Jesus would experience after the crucifixion. <clears throat> There are many major assaults that have been placed against the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest major assaults is that Christ did not really die. Now there are those who not only believe that, but they stand in their pulpits and preach that. That Christ did not really die on the cross. He fainted. He swooned. He was in a comatose state. He revived in the tomb and regained consciousness. Thus there was no resurrection or raising from the dead. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You say, well, you'd be crucified with a statement, bring on the nails. I don't believe that. There is also a major assault made on the book of Jonah. Jonah was swallowed by a fish, but he did not die. He lived in that fish for three days and three nights. The fish merely vomited him up. Thus, there was no resurrection involved. I don't believe that. Consider the order of the gospel. Whenever you preach the gospel and you believe the gospel, there are three major factors that stand out. This is set forth in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. And if we move a little fast, please jot the references down. The order of the gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died 
for our sins according to the scriptures. And that's followed by these words, and that he was buried. And that is followed by these words, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The order of the gospel is the death, the burial, and resurrection. If there is no death of Jonah, neither can there be a resurrection. Death precedes burial. Death precedes resurrection. Jonah did not die in the fish any more than Christ died in the tomb. Just as the tomb is where the dead body of Jesus lay, so the fish's stomach is the grave where the dead body of Jonah lay. Don't miss that. It's as big as a freight train and it'll run all over top of you if you're not careful. Consider Jonah's delayed prayer. There in chapter 1, verse 17. But when you get to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then. It's an element of establishing a time factor here of what has previously been stated in the verse before. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then. Not before three days and three nights. Not during three days and three nights. But after three days and three nights. Then it was that Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. The location of the prayers are mentioned here. He prayed from the belly of the fish in verse 1 after three days and three nights. That word belly there is the Hebrew word miah and it means the abdominal cavity or the intestinal area of this particular fish. But second of all, it says he prayed from the belly of Sheol, Translated into English as hell. I thought I would pull a copy of my comparative Bible translations from my shelf in my office. And just check and see what the King James had to say about it. And it says hell. Or the fish's belly. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and out of the belly of hell they use the word hell and that's okay. The next column in my comparative translations is the Amplified New Testament. It uses out of the body or the belly of Sheol. I thought I would go over and check John MacArthur out. He no longer uses this translation. I've been wanting John to get King James, period. 
and just preach out of the King James. But he'll bounce around from translation to translation. But in his trans, in a, the, the, in a New American standard, it says, out of the belly of Sheol. It is not until you get to the column of the NIV. Now, you got to wash more than your feet when you read from the NIV. It'll butcher you to death. It doesn't even have the word of sodomite in the Bible. It's in the Bible, but they took it out of the Bible because they're a bunch of sodomites. Are you listening to me? So when they get to this word Sheol, Brother Phil, they just say, the grave. The grave. It is the Hebrew word Sheol. <laughs> it means the hollow place. Belly is beton, meaning the hollow place. Therefore, verse 1, out of the belly of the fish. And verse 2 says, out of the hollow place of hell or Sheol. The only way for Jonah to be in the fish and in hell at the same time was that his body died. Because man is a trichotomist. No, I don't believe he's a dichotomist. I believe he's a trichotomist. I believe he's soul, spirit, and body. And I believe your body's here for a little while, but your soul lives on forever. And the moment you are dead, my dear friends, your soul absents itself from your body, but it's still very much alive. That's a good thing, especially in times of funerals, to know that when you pass by the coffin of a loved one, a dear one that meant so much to you, you say, well, I I just, they're dead. They're not there anymore. Let me tell you, they're just, they're more there than they've ever been. Because their their soul has been vacating itself from the body and is either with the Lord or down in a place called hell. Now what I'm saying is this. The only way for Jonah to be in the fish and in hell at the same time was that his body died. Physical death occurs when the soul vacates the body. Did not Paul say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now the timing of Jonah's death. Look carefully in chapter 1 verses 12 and 15. He said unto them, this is Jonah speaking to the sailors. Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake... This great tempest is upon you. And then go down to verse number 15. So they took up Jonah, cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. I believe that Jonah was dead within five minutes after he hit the water. And please notice the mariners didn't throw Jonah down the esophagus of the fish. They threw him into the water. The fish was in the water. But now so was Jonah in the water. And it came by drowning. 
his soul went into Sheol. Why? Because your soul's got to go somewhere when you die. And the fish swallowed his body where it would stay for the next three days and three nights. I believe he prayed immediately after he died from Sheol. And the second time after his soul re-entered his body in the fish. And that's where Jonah was vomited out on dry land. The content of Jonah's prayers. I believe we make a mistake when we read the opening verses of chapter 2 and say that this describes what Jonah must have felt going down the esophagus of that fish. I mean, this, this is what he must have thought. Surely he thought he was going to die immediately, you know, and it, it, it was taking a long time. He, he, he had seen whales from a distance, but he had never seen them from the inside out. That's not what chapter 2 is about. Chapter 2 is telling you what his soul experienced when it was being separated from his body. His body would be in the body or be in the belly of the fish, but his soul would be taken to a place called Sheol, and in the Greek it would be Sheol Hades, and translated hell. For instance, the contents of Jonah's prayers. Notice he relates his drowning experience. Not what it must have been like by being swallowed by a fish, but what it must have been like drowning to death. Look at verse number three, if you would please. He says in his prayer to God, as he's dying, thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all the billows and thy waves passed over me. Remember there was a tremendous storm going on. So much so that the sailors thought their lives were in danger. And uh, therefore they were trying to get something done to prevent their death. But though, and Jonah makes it clear in verse 15 uh, what the timing of it is. That he's, he's responsible for their death and for their dangerous position rather. And so he 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 agrees that they should cast him overboard. And so this is what he must have felt like. This is what he must have experienced. As soon as he was thrown overboard, the stormy sea began to suck him under. He was underwater holding his breath. I don't blame him. I'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? Verse number four. Look at what it says. Then I said, I'm cast out of thy sight and yet I will look again toward the holy or thy holy temple isn't it strange he wanted to get away from the sight of God he was continually running from the Lord but he did not count on this this captured my thought if it depicts his death the thing that he was thinking about as he died were the services held in the temple of God. There had been a time 
when that's where Jonah would spend most of his time in the temple, in the house of the Lord with God's people. I wonder how many people have died and that's the last thing they thought of before they died. Boy, I wish I'd been faithful to church. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. Look at verse number five. The waters come past me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped about my head. Probably his last thoughts before death. He couldn't get away from the seaweeds. He went deeper and deeper and could breathe no longer. His soul, in verse 6, look carefully at the reading of it. I went down. Now this is Jonah, who's been in the midst of the sea now, going in one direction. He's going down. The sea is enclosing about him. He's losing sight of what earth ever was like. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains and the Hebrew word translated bottoms there are the roots. Uh, Hey, have you ever been to the roots of the mountains? A lot of people like to go to the mountains on vacation and that's a good place to go. And you'll see a lot of beautiful, beautiful things if you go to North Carolina. You really will. That's a beautiful state. And the mountains are so beautiful. But I want to talk to somebody and tell me, what do the roots look like? The roots of the mountains. Jonah went down to the roots of the mountain. I believe, my dear friends, that's the innermost part of the earth where roots no longer grow down anymore of mountains. And I have more to say about that if nothing happens in our services next Sunday. But he relates this. His soul went into Sheol. His body had been swallowed by the fish that was left in the water. He describes it as the bottoms of the mountains. The earth enclosed about him and formed bars above him. Jonah lost all hope. Now in verse number 6, something happens. Notice Not only did he say, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains and the earth where the bars were about me, yet something happened. Yet hast thou brought up my soul from corruption. And the word there in corruption is the pit. And I believe it's the pit of Sheol. God pulled him back out of Sheol for a purpose. And for a reason. And Jonah's prayer from Sheol. I believe if if this is your first time to be exposed to this particular theory or this particular take on the scripture, that you might say it seems a little preposterous. That here's a man in hell being able to pray to God in heaven. I thought you might probably be thinking about something like that. And so that's the reason I'm asking you to turn to Luke chapter 16. Verses 23 and 24. 
Luke 16, verses 23 and 24. Pick up on verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried. Why was he carried by the angels? Because your soul's got to go somewhere when you die. Do you understand what I'm saying? Carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. But you know what? The rich man died and was buried and in hell. You say, well, where was the rich man? Oh, he had a nice grave. I tell you what, of all the graves in the cemeteries, his was the best one. It was beautiful. I'm talking about where he was. He was in hell while they had his funeral service on earth. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Where was he when he cried that? In hell. So don't, Really don't think I've lost all my gumption whatsoever. If, if he did it, why didn't Jonah do it? The soul lives forever. It lives within the contents and confines of a body until that body is dead. And once that body's dead, the soul goes to one of two places. It either goes to heaven to spend eternity with the Lord or it goes to hell to burn forever. Now Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving after his being resurrected, that is his body being occupied again by his soul from the fish's stomach after three days and three nights in verse 1 and 9 again. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And it was after that that Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. After, uh, pardon me, prayed to the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He comes, the soul reunites with the body that was in the fish's belly for three days and three nights. Now, Now anything he says is coming from the fish's belly because body and soul have been reunited. And the climax of Jonah's prayers in verse number 10, and the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Three days and three nights have passed. And Jonah now has been resurrected from the dead, from the pit, and is now alive, body and soul, in the fish. God commands the fish. Jonah is released from his grave to his normal life once again, but he's inside of the fish. Now, raising the dead is no problem with God. And there's not a particular way God does it, or a particular time God does it. 
He's a sovereign God. He can do it anytime he wants to. He can do it in this generation you and I live in as well as he did in the generation of those who lived during Bible days. The resurrection of individuals. You remember Elijah raised the widow's son from the dead. He raised the widow's son from the dead. He had been fed by this woman at the direction of God. He goes back to see about her. And just, if I might just add lib a little bit here. He said, it's so good to see you again. How's your boy doing? She said, I'm sorry you asked. He's dead. Let me read it for you. In the 17th chapter of 1 Kings, verse 17 and following, came to pass after these things that the son of a woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Are you come to call my sin to remembrance? In other words, have, has God taken my son to punish me for something? And he sent you, the preacher, over to rub my nose in it? And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him out of her bosom, carried him up to a loft, where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come in to him again. Pay attention to the Bible. Let this child's soul come into him. Again, why was the child dead? Soul wasn't in him anymore. If the child is going to live, the soul's got to come back into the child. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again. And guess what? He said, I sure could eat some breakfast. Huh? He was alive. You said, you don't believe, expect me to believe that. No, I expect you to go to hell believing what you believe if you don't believe that. That's Bible. That's the scripture. That's what God says. It's a kind of a work of a sovereign God. Elijah raised the dead of the Shunammites' son. I like that one especially because when Elijah raised the dead of the Shunammites' son, they begin to deny it and say, you know, this, this really, the boy didn't die. He wasn't really dead. No, the <laughs> Elijah said, God's going to give you a sign. He's alive. Now, the, the child sneezed seven times. Read your Bible. Now, dead people don't sneeze. They've been sneezing all their life, but I tell you what, you can kiss the allergy goodbye. When you die, you 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 finish with sneezing. That's what the Bible says. This crazy book I'm preaching out of today. A man came back to life when the corpse touched the bones of Elisha. I like that one. In 2 Kings 13, 21, it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they espied a band of men 
and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Mm, 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 mm. I just love to read things like that. Wouldn't you love to been a fly on the wall? Huh? Isn't that good? Christ restored the life to life the son of the widow of Nain. Luke 7, 11 through 16. Don't have time to read it. Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. How many times have we preached on that? John chapter 11. Christ gave life to Jairus' daughter. Mark 5, 41 through 42. And Christ Jesus raised himself from the dead. I've got the power to lay my life down and I've got the power to raise it again. He raised himself by the power of God and he was God. There will be a future resurrection. We don't have the time to pursue it. But in John chapter 5, 28 through 29, you'll find a great promise about a future resurrection that's going to take place. John, I've changed my mind going to read it for you because it's all that good. John chapter 5, verses 28 through 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his Voice and shall come forth they that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. There's coming a resurrection the like of which you've never seen before. How is it that the Bible is so full of that? But yet we come to Jonah and we say, "Oh, I didn't. I don't believe he died. God raised him from the dead, just like He raised these others from the dead." Matthew 12, 40, what we started out with, and we're closer to the finish line than we were when we started. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights? As Jonah was, so Christ. It's a perfect picture of what would happen to Christ during the crucifixion. May I draw these analogies? Jonah died in the place of the sailors. We've already read the scripture where Jonah said, I'm responsible for you being in this danger. It is my fault that you're having to face this terrible storm. Jonah died in the place of the sailors. Now when death struck, it didn't strike the sailors, it struck Jonah. Christ died in the place of sinners. Christ Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin. And when that transaction took place in the mind of God Almighty, Christ Jesus had to die because the wages of sin is death. Jonah's body lay in an unused grave. Now, there are a lot of places where you can bury your loved ones, but you don't go out to the lake and look for a big whale to stick him down his throat. I'm telling you, Jonah's body lay in an unused grave. 
But so did the Lord Jesus Christ. His body lay in an unused tomb. Come on, say something. I believe it was a football coach. I'm not sure, so I'm not going to blaspheme by giving credit to one coach over another coach. I'm thinking Brett Favre. Brett Favre said the same thing. When the Green Bay Packers were losing, I mean, they were being beaten to death like it was on the football field. They couldn't do anything right. Brett got them back in the hub and he said, for Lord's sake, do something. Just do something. I like it sometimes when the Baptists in the Baptist church start doing something. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Or oh me. One or the other. John 19, 41, and the place where Christ was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new sepulcher where never a man had been laid. That's what your Bible says. I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. I've tried to look at Jonah not dying, but living in a fish's belly for three days and three nights. I run into some problems. Number one, there was no food to eat. It had all been eaten. Huh? Number two, there was no water to drink. You can do without food, longer you can do without water. He... He'd have to make it just fine. No water down there for three days and three nights. If Jonah didn't die, he didn't have any air to breathe. How long do you make it if you don't breathe? Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and three nights. How do you know that, Brother Kosa? That's what the Bible said. That's what Christ said. And he also said, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. If Jonah was not in that fish's belly three days and three nights, then we'll argue the point. Christ didn't really stay three days and three nights buried. No, no. But if Jonah died and was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so our Lord was in not the fish's belly, but in the grave three days and three nights. Jonah's soul... Oh my, don't go to sleep now. Jonah's soul, when he died by drowning and the fish had swallowed his body for three days and three nights, Jonah visited Sheol. That's what it's called, the belly of hell. Okay? Let me make a statement. Don't leave me. Christ's soul visited Sheol, as Jonah, so Christ. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know. 
Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David, speaking concerning Christ, he's not saying this is David's testimony. David is talking about Christ, what he would experience. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He's always on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad because moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul, Christ speaking, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell and that's a little word Hades which is the equivalent of the Old Testament word Sheol. Sheol is a Hebrew word. Hades is a Greek word. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, in Sheol, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Have you already forgotten in Jonah chapter 1 that the Lord delivered him from the pit, from corruption? He delivered his son Jesus Christ from the pit of corruption. Hmm. In Ephesians chapter 4, oh my, sometimes clocks run too fast. Sometimes they don't run fast enough. Ephesians chapter number 4, verses 8 through 10. Wherefore he saith, talking of Christ Jesus now, all you got to do is read the verses prior to this. The context of chapter 4 of Ephesians is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high. Now what does that mean? Oh, that means the resurrection. That means the ascension. He was caught up. I believe that. I believe that Christ Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives and the disciples stood there with their mouths open they could not believe what they were seeing. He was ascended. Okay, I don't have any problem with that. He ascended up on high, and when he did, Paul tells us something that happened that the disciples who were seeing that could not see. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, Christ has ascended, but what is it? but that he also descended. Now, on the elevator, one arrow goes up, one arrow goes down. If you're, going, if you're ascending, you can't go down. If you're descending, you can't go up. But he also descended first. Where did he descend to? Oh, it's talking about the virgin, but no, it's not. He descended first into the lower parts of the earth. We're told that this earth's diameter is 25,000 miles. Is that correct? Where's oh, Randy's out here. He's my authority on this. <clears throat> Have you ever wondered if you could drill down in this earth 12,000 miles, what you'd run into? 
Come church next Sunday morning, we'll tell you. I'll tell you. He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same one that ascended, but he couldn't ascend until he first descended. Where did he go? Sheol, Hades. Mm-mm-mm. Jonah so visited Sheol. Christ so visited Sheol. Jonah was raised with an incorruptible body, according to Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. Christ was raised with an incorruptible body. Nor did the grave corrupt Jesus Christ, who held his body for three days and three nights. Jonah made appearances after his resurrection. Talk to the Ninevites. They know all about it. It made such an impact on them that they had a big reformation party going. We need to get right with God. His no boy been dead in a whale's belly for three days and three nights. He's preaching to us. We better listen to what he's got to say. Hmm. Jonah made appearances after his resurrection. Do I need to tell you this? Jesus Christ made appearances after his resurrection. As Jonah, so Christ. As Jonah, so Christ. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of three days and three nights. Finally, Nineveh's hope, Nineveh's hope, the message was yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. That's what God told Noah to preach to the Ninevites. Nineveh's hope depended on Jonah's resurrection. If Jonah had not resurrected from the belly of that fish, my dear friends, Nineveh would have been destroyed within 40 days of that period of time. But you see, the sinner's hope depends on our Lord's resurrection. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, I don't have any hope, and you don't have any hope. As Jonah, so Christ. We need to spend some time in this place called the belly of hell. Jonah 2, verse 2. It is the Hebrew word, Sheol, as the Lord permits, we'll make a complete and separate study out of this next time when we deal with the subject, where are the dead? So I want to preach on next Sunday morning, where are the dead? I hope you'll be with us. And I hope you'll bring your Bible with you. And let's search the scriptures together and see what God has to say about this man, Jonah. Thank you for your kindness. Let's stand for prayer.